Hello? Just had to take my glasses off and uh, unfog from having the mask. <laughs> uh, so this morning I'm reading Psalm 84 and I'm reading from the NIV. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look on favour your, on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he without from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. A look at that psalm. Heavenly Father, thank you that there is no better place to be than in your presence. Thank you, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Thank you that as we come to your word, we are encountering you, the living God, that we are hearing your word to us. So, Father God, as we come now into your word, we pray that you will uh, keep us faithful. Uh, to your word and, and just please speak to our hearts, Lord, and convict us of the need to be near you uh, in as much as we can. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy said it, uh, there's no place like home. When we're away from home too long, uh, perhaps it's for you, it's travel, uh, for work, uh, perhaps even when you go on holidays for a long time, uh, perhaps... Uh, Glenbrook isn't even your birthplace and you've got somewhere else that you consider home. When you're away from home for a long time, you find yourself just longing for home. Uh, we just had two weeks down south and I think by the end of that two weeks, we were just wanting to come home. Uh, Theo Pelachet says about home, he says, home is a place where you can catch a dream and ride it to the end of the line and back where you can watch shadow and light doing a tight little tango on a wooden floor or an intoxicated moon rising through an empty window. Home is a place to become yourself. It's the right spot, the bright spot, or just the spot where you can land on your feet or recline in a tub of sparkling brew if you're so inclined. It's a place of silence where harmony and chaos are shuffled like a deck of cards and it's your draw. It's somewhere you can close a door and open your heart. Well, it's lovely. He obviously didn't have a four and a five-year-old, but, uh, but it's a wonderful uh, idea, isn't it, of home, just that place where you come and you just go, ah, oh, 
people know who I am. I think at Christmas, sometimes we end up going home and we just go, ah, amongst other things. See, it's where we belong. Home is where we fit best. The people around us understand us, our quirks, our thinking, our ways, the place where we share life together, have created memories, rejoiced and mourned together, the place where relationships have depth and a history rather than just a shallow surface type of facade. See, the psalmist here in Psalm 84 is longing and yearning for home. He's a pilgrim and he's been on a journey away from Jerusalem. He's frantically clicking his heels and saying there's no place like home, there's no place like home, he just wants to be back there. Have a look at verse 2 and we'll encounter this yearning. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Notice how intense this yearning is. It is a craving. It is something that you need. It might be a pregnant woman in the middle of the night wanting her husband to go down the BP and get a, a, a jar of peanut butter. She's craving it. And you know you have to go or it will be a night of no sleep. I'm not saying that's my experience, but it may be. And verse 2 says, even faints. It means exhausted itself. This yearning, this craving has ended in exhaustion. It says, my heart and, or, my heart and flesh or body. See, this desire isn't just an intellectual desire. It isn't just a heart. It's all of them, the whole being is crying out for satisfaction. So usually this kind of desperation we see in negative terms. We think of the drug addict that will steal money just to get the next hit. The cigarette smoker who just can't go a whole flight without a cigarette. It might be the alcoholic or it might be someone who just yearns and needs that drug to fulfill. The gambler that can't stop thinking about the big win. But this isn't a negative thing here. These cravings, these longings, when you have something that you need to fulfill your life, well, they're okay when that need is the Lord God who created you, who has redeemed you. See, this is the worship that God had intended for his people. And if you're away from that, if you're separated from that, then the yearning and the craving should be there. I wonder if you've felt that over the last year at times. Or whether you're like, oh, I didn't have to go to church for six months. See, we should be a place where as we come together, when that's taken away from us, we are yearning to just be in fellowship again, to hear the word, to sing praises. I know I'm looking forward to when we can just sing. I'm yearning to worship with song. Have a look at verse 4 here. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are forever praising you. See, this is the yearning, the desire that we should want, forever praising God. And in the rest of the psalm, we really see that God intended our worship to be three things. Firstly, based in a location. Secondly, built on a foundation. And thirdly, have a continual expression. 
based on a location, in a location, built on a foundation with a continual expression. So let's have a look at the location for which this psalmist longs to worship the living God. I'm just going to read verses 1 to 4 again. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. See, the pilgrim is longing for where God dwells. And verse 2 there says, for, your, for the courts. Now, in the ancient world, the courtyard was a very important place to receive guests. The owner of the house would receive the guest in the courthouse and greet them. And it's where you would have that reconciliation or that joy of meeting and welcoming into the home. It's where uh, the visitors were met. And here the psalmist longs to come to God's home, to be met in the courtyards, to be with the other people that are God's people, to be back into that space with God. And he mentions the sparrow and the swallow, simply the small common birds. And think of that imagery in the nooks as close to the altar that they can get, that they have found a home to raise their young. I think there's irony going on here. There were birds being sacrificed on the altar. But they want to and long to be next to the altar. This imagery, even the smallest of birds, the one that God knows even uh, falls to the ground. (coughs) See, location is an important place. Now, location here is the temple. Obviously, we don't have a temple, and I hope you don't think that our church building is the new temple. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that a temple of God you are, and the Spirit of God dwells in you? See, the joy that we have is that the eternal dwelling of the Holy Spirit within the believers of Christ means that the temple as we gather is being built here. God's kingdom is here. In the gathering of his people, there is the bringing home of his people. Might not feel like that all the time, but that is what is happening here. See, we are the collective church. And in that that, uh, 1 Corinthians passage where it says God dwells in you, He's not talking about the individual. That's a collective noun. He's talking to the church. Come together because God is here. He's in your midst. He is with us. And so the yearning is the gathering in the Holy Spirit in our day. (laughs) So imagine having the ingredients of the cake. And it's all scattered through your kitchen in all the cupboards and in the fridge. (coughs) And you go, I have a cake in the kitchen. Now, technically, you could probably argue that that's true. (coughs) Excuse me. But it's in the gathering of those ingredients that forms the cake. And in the same way, the church is the body of Christ. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the temple of God. In order for him to bring his people and his kingdom together. 
And that's why on that day when Jesus returns, we will gather around the throne and worship him, glorifying, praising his name. Our gathering, the church today, should be a glimpse of that, for that day that we long for, the true day, we're longing for that day, the yearning to be brought home. See, that's the location that we talked about here. The location is important. The gathering is essential. But we also see from the psalm that more important than the location is the foundation. Verse 1 says this. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Well, the problem with that translation is it sounds like the building is the lovely thing. What it's actually saying in the original is, How beloved is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Instead of saying that that fancy, beautiful building is lovely, it's actually saying where you are is loved by the people. If you remember, Jesus' disciples went to the temple with him and they went, look at these big stones. Now I've been to the temple in Israel and they are big stones. They would be half the width of this aisle here at least if not bigger they are big impressive stones and Jesus says well break the temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days why because he didn't look at the building as the temple he was the temple and those grafted into him were the ones who would become the true temple of God so we don't look at the building and say how lovely is your dwelling place God The psalmist is looking at the fact that God dwells in a place and he says, how beloved is that place? Now I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say our building isn't the most beautiful building in the 21st or in 2021 where we are now. I'll go a little further and say we are not the most beautiful people in the world. I think there's a reason that when I was at Bible college, when they were taking the promotional photos, I'm sure I've told you this before, they kept asking me to move aside as they took photos of the people sitting next to me. Happened twice, no joke. What are you laughing at? <clears throat> so I'll go out on a limb and say I'm not one who's going to create an Instagram account and get a million followers. That's not going to happen for me. But you see, it's not whether I'm in Time Magazine's 100 Most Beautiful People. It's not even whether you're in Time Magazine's 100 Most Beautiful People. It's not whether our building is in domains, 100 most desirable properties uh, in Glenbrook list. The thing that makes something lovely, that makes something beautiful, that makes something attractive, is that the Lord God dwells there. He's the one that makes it beloved, makes it desirable. If God is in our midst, if the Holy Spirit is working in us, if we, are, if we are being renewed from the inside out and our character and our community and everything that we are is reflecting who God is, then we will be lovely. The world will look upon us and want some of that, whatever it is, because we should be different. We should be beautiful. Now, of course, men, we are beautiful in a manly kind of way. So the foundation for our praise and worship, it's not ourselves. It's not the building. 
It is not the location. It is the Lord Almighty who is the foundation. This is what he says in verses 5 to 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. <coughs> the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. It's a picture of bringing loveliness to wherever you go. This is the pilgrim on his way back home. But as he goes, he brings the loveliness of God wherever he is. Where it says in verse 5, uh, blessed, it's more of this deep-centered joy. Those whose strength is in you have a deep-centered joy that cannot be shaken. So when it's not coming from ourselves, but coming on the foundation of the one who is God, the immovable one, then as we go through the world, as we go to work, as we live in places where God does not seem to exist, as we journey in these other communities, then we bring loveliness. The valley of Baca here in verse 6 is likely the place where they wept in the exile. So the image here is that even when you're far away from God, when someone journeys through who is longing and loves the Lord and knows the Lord, then even in the darkest of places, you bring great light and you bring the Lord himself as the Spirit dwells in you. It's a beautiful image happening here. Psalm 23, even though through the darkest valley you journey, he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. There is something immovable, something that is blessed are those whose strength is in you. Something that brings joy because strength is not from us but from, the God, from, from God who created all things. Now I'm sure I've talked, I know I've talked about Nepal before. Uh, Ellie and I trekked through Nepal in 2013. I trekked back in 2015-5 uh, as well. But in 2013 we did the Annapurna circuit which is 20 days of trekking and the highest point is Thurung La Pass. It's the same height as the Everest base camp. It's 18,000 feet, about 5,500 metres. Now at about 11,500 feet, I started suffering uh, sickness, uh, altitude sickness. By 14,500 feet, the night before we had to trek the final 3,500 3 feet to get to the, the, the pass, I basically, I, I, was almost, I almost died. I was shivering, I was hallucinating, I was seeing things. I was in a place that I've never been before. I laid awake all night, uh, and when I did fall asleep, Ellie was petrified, praying over me because my, my breathing was so laboured that it sounded like I wasn't going to keep breathing. <clears throat> we had to get up at 3 a.m. the next morning, and it was the trek, the first hour or two of trek was all ice. Up a mountain, we didn't have crampons, which are the things which dig you into the ice. We just had our hiking boots, and there was a cliff pitch black, small, uh, small head torch. I tell you, I've never, ever known so clearly that my strength 
is limited. The, the, the porter and the guide said, we are carrying you up and over. Now I said, no way, I've come this far. I almost died that night. But it's something that confronts you and you realise that in all the bravado of the world, in all the things that we try to pep talk ourselves, in the end, we are very limited in strength as human beings. Those who say you can do anything and achieve anything, will you actually take that to a place like five and a half thousand metres above sea level? And we'll see how many people can carry on. We have limited strength, not limitless. But in God's strength, there is no limit. So as we journey through the valley of the shadow of death, as we go through the hard times in life, we stand firm on strength which isn't our own. A limitless strength. A joy even. Because God is our strength. It doesn't matter whether we're going through seasons of great joy or seasons of great darkness. It says here that we go from strength to strength. Verse 7. Why? Because it's not our strength. And as we journey and we have our vision in our pilgrimage towards that final home, then we are strengthened and emboldened knowing that there is a new heavens, a new earth, a new body, a new life without suffering awaiting us. So as Paul talks about, we have our eyes set on this vision, but we journey very in, real, in reality here. And as the psalmist is doing, even in the valley of Baca, he brings a place of spring and, and autumn rains simply because he is bringing the Lord God with him. But finally, not only do we have a location and, 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 a, and a foundation, but we have an expression. And that expression of our worship needs to be continual. Have a look at verse 4 again. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So the idea of here is continuity. When you're pilgriming through the week, or if you've got time away from people, there are missionaries overseas that cannot meet with other Christians that are out proclaiming the Lord God in, in, in isolation because they are far-reaching into the ends of the earth where there is no believers. Whether it's a day or whether it's a week for you or whether it's a season, maybe even years. <clears throat> well, here it says we continually praise God. It's because the power of the Holy Spirit, God himself, God the Holy Spirit is with us. Now, I'm with you. I don't always feel like raising my hands and I don't always feel like going praise the Lord to the world depending on the season I'm in. But it doesn't matter. It's not about my outward expression. It's about the deep-centeredness of the faith that brings a great solid strength and joy because the, the, the experience comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. We are not <coughs> needing an expressive... There's not a right way to express your faith. And it'll be different in each season. So it's a powerful thing to know that being in a relationship with the one who outweighs every triumph or tragedy in our life can enable us to find a deep sense of joy. He outweighs every triumph and every tragedy. So if we achieve something, praise be to God. 
If we are able to persevere through the darkest valley, praise be to God. It is in his strength that we are able to do all things on the spectrum. So, we have a location, that's the gathering of the people in the Holy Spirit. We have a foundation, that is the strength of the Lord God, demonstrated by the power of Jesus dying on the cross and raising again to life that same power that is in us, the Holy Spirit. We have an expression which is continual. But there's one more thing in this psalm which should challenge us. The fact that it is expression and not suppression. I just want to challenge us on that. I think we've all been raised in good uh, English-mannered homes. Not really. We're all convicts at heart. But in the end, we've been influenced by a real English proper way of worship. I just want to challenge us that expressing worship comes in many forms. I like to tell people that I, I inwardly praise God quite often. I'm not an outwardly expressive worshipper. But for some people they are. And so we should be able to be all those things without subscribing to a certain way of worship. There'll be times where we need to raise our hands and praise the Lord. There'll be other times where we sit silently and reflectively. And that may all happen in the same service. It may all happen at the same time. But we journey together in the morning. We journey together in the rejoicing. That's what Jesus says. So the psalm simply says, don't suppress your expression of praise, but worship the Lord. The psalmist is overjoyed and he's bringing that into the world that he's walking through. So I just want to challenge us. I'm not telling you you have to worship in a certain way, but don't suppress your worship. We always do it uh, with consideration of each other, obviously. But it's good to express our worship Location is the gathering where God dwells. The foundation is the living God, the Lord Almighty, secured by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Our expression of praise is continual. And then the psalmist finishes the psalm with this. Look at verses 10 to 12. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tent of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. It's going to challenge us this coming year and this week to find the joy in our worship, whatever that looks for you. I would love our church to be a church where we are just longing for Sunday. I know that's not the case all the time. I get it. But if we're away, we need to be longing. Oh, I just want to meet together again, gather together. And that's because there is a beautiful something about us. Because we are being renewed by the Holy Spirit. We are, we are worshipping the true living God. And that we are, uh, let's lead into the mission statement, a vision statement. Because we are a caring intergenerational community following Jesus and impacting people with his love who wouldn't want some of that 
Well, I would. And I know we're on that journey and that excites me. So my prayer this year is that we are those people that worship in a way which we just long to be together in order to do that together. Well, let's pray. Father God, thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you for the location. Thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit, that we are not beautiful because of our building. We're not beautiful because of who we are physically, but we are beautiful because the Lord God Almighty, God the Holy Spirit dwells in us and is in our midst and is the one who leads us. Father God, I pray that the coming week, the coming year will be a place where we see our worship develop and grow and express itself in so many ways, not just here on Sunday, but through our working week as we walk through the valley of Baca in our workplaces, as we uh, head through the different areas of our life, as we encounter people, that as we impact them with Christ's love, we will see your kingdom grow and we will see people just want more of what it is that you have given us. Father God, I pray for unity. I pray for love. I pray for all the things which reflect your character. I pray that we will be always with the praise of you on our lips, whether in a season of light or a season of darkness. Father God, I pray that this morning we will be challenged to draw deeply into you through your word and to be prayerful people so that we not just journey and pilgrim physically, but spiritually we are daily longing just to have access to you, which you have granted us fully through your word and through prayer. Father, help us not take that for granted. Help us yearn for you, Lord. Help us long for you and help us desire you in a way which brings you the greatest of glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.